life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. In our last episode, we switched things up and took a pause for spinal cord injury, awareness, and advocacy in the waning summer months. Thank you for slowing down with me and tuning in to that reflection about summer water injuries. In this episode today, we will continue the trend of new and exciting audio content for your listening pleasure and continued learnings. Blink of an Eye is always striving to create new communities for support, for trauma healing. People often ask me about navigation tips specifically for spinal cord injury or other catastrophic medical crises. We on the Blink of an Eye podcast team wanted to create more safe spaces for your thoughts, questions, and concerns about SCI crisis and bring you the experiences of others along with my own tips for families facing a spinal cord injury crisis and for their friends and the medical teams providing care. Spinal cord injury is complicated. If you or a friend is struggling with the impact of a fresh spinal cord injury, Ask Louise is here to provide you a deeper understanding of what to do. In this Ask Louise series, which will air periodically throughout Season 3, you will find answers from experienced guests, helpful books and articles, and tips to promote trauma healing while in the ICU or hospital, and more. The Blink of an Eye team's goal is to inspire hope for SCI families, their friends, and medical teams unfamiliar with spinal cord injury. And I want to connect with you all, the listeners who make this podcast work meaningful and insightful, always pushing us to create new ways of educating and promoting trauma healing. Help us help you by checking out our new Facebook page titled Ask Louise. Post your questions on our Facebook wall to share your spinal cord injury medical concerns and my subsequent comments and advice with fellow group members. Ask me a question, leave a supportive comment, or offer up a reading recommendation for other page members. You may also message me directly for more private or sensitive matters. I want to share what I have seen and heard, as well as what I have learned from others, as we have navigated the crisis of spinal cord injury. I am here for you. Sometimes the most precious thing we have is each other. So let's be there for one another. Ask me anything. Today, I'll be speaking with Jessica Jarmer, another mother with a child who experienced spinal cord injury in a water accident. I will be asking and answering questions during our conversation. Jessica is also one of the navigators for the I See That nonprofit and their Blink of an Eye support and navigation team. Welcome to the first installment of our Ask Louise series, Conversation One about Spinal Cord Injury Crisis with Jessica Jarmer. Settle in. 
Take a deep breath and invite new wisdom and learnings into your day. I am blessed to introduce you to Jessica Jarmer. Jessica is the mom of Sam Jarmer, who is quadriplegic, injured at the age of 16. Sam is now 19. Jessica and Sam live in New Jersey. Jessica is also a holistic health practitioner. And Jessica is one of the I See That nonprofit Blink of an Eye Navigators, trained in conflict transformation and how to remain neutral while empowering others to make informed decisions best for them in the crisis. Jessica, it is a joy to have you. I know you are a fierce mama bear, and we are learning together on this spinal cord injury journey. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, we definitely share some similar life changes. Could you give us a brief background about Sam's accident? Absolutely. So at 16 years old, Sam was a lifeguard down here at the Jersey Shore. And one day he went into the water. There was a wave coming and he went to dive over the wave and he stopped. He didn't make it through the wave. He hit a sandbar. He was in the water up to his waist when it happened. And there were people a little ways ahead of him in a deeper water. So it was just like a little mound that was under there that he didn't know about. And Sam grew up in those waters because we live at the Jersey Shore. We were here year round, all times of the year, wetsuits, you know, spring suits. They, they were in there. And it was just a freak accident. He had a C6 burst fracture and was taken to a trauma center, which happens to be, by the grace of God, a mile from our house. And he was immediately brought into surgery that night. And they put a titanium cage between, well, at C6, so it bridged from, I think, five to seven. And he was in ICU for a little under a week. And then they transported us to Children's Specialized Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and we remained there for four months, almost. As you know, every morning you wake up in just complete shock, but with this adrenaline, like, okay, gotta keep going, gotta keep going. You just don't know how this happened and you wake up every morning not believing it's still it's still your life you know and your beautiful beautiful boy who was so active or your beautiful child is now laying there and he can't you know get a drink to his mouth or has difficulty swallowing it's just it's incomprehensible and I know people see far more tragedies than that but that is my story My son, his life changed, as you know, in the blink of an eye.
I've learned something really completely new just now. I didn't realize that Sam dove out and into a sandbar. That is yeah. exactly how Archer was injured on the Jersey Shore. South Ooh. of you, a couple hours um, yeah. in Cape May. Also, Archer had been a junior lifeguard. He had grown up in those waters his entire life. He was very familiar with the ocean and these waters and went out to take a dip on a hot 100-degree day, running, just like Sam, up to his thighs in water and dove into a beautiful wave and hit a sandbar and was a burst injury, C2 to C5, and life changed in the blink of an eye. You know, the time that you were in ICU a week, mm-hmm. and then when you were transferred, we were in ICU, the first ICU for 30 days, and then the next for 14 days, and then back and forth. I'm wondering what you wish you knew while you were in that medical crisis. That's a hard, hard question, right? I was thinking about this. What do I wish I knew? I wish I had known that the second we could, I wanted to get him upright or sit him up. wish I had known that. Other than that, I don't know how much I could have handled knowing. Knowing what I know now, I learned it in drips. I don't know that I could have handled knowing what I know now all at once. Yes. That might be something of great interest that when there are these catastrophic injuries, the family, and certainly the injured, Everyone is in shock, and you can't take in too much. And the brain, we know from neuroscience, is just scanning for what's familiar, and nothing is familiar. One of the things that you and I both know working with the nonprofit and with the Blink of an Eye Support and Navigation Team, as we are Mm -hmm. creating this national digital resource library, is that we want to be able to help spinal cord injured families, their friends, and the medical teams in the crisis of spinal cord injury because we know that spinal cord injury is both unknown and intimidating to spinal cord injury surgeons, nurses, and the families. And you know, it's really astounding, isn't it, what we've all been learning and with our team. I thought maybe we could talk a bit because you've been very much part of the framework for the digital resource library and how it is that we are categorizing the different times from the golden hour, what the military call the golden hour, when there is a crisis injury, the idea being if you can get the person to the best specialized care, you increase the likelihood of saving a life dramatically. And so the golden hour in spinal cord injury being 15 hours approximately, and how Mm -hmm. 
we're breaking down that first 30 days of crisis to days one through three and four through seven, and that's where you have come in so beautifully. And then days eight through 14, 15 through 22, and 23 through 30. You know what to say for surgeons, <laughs> right? For yeah. nurses, for families, for friends, what not to say, how to respond, giving scripts, creating checklists, how to build hope. Where should we start with that conversation and the work we've been doing? What a family member is looking for more than anything in that time frame is little rays of hope. You hold on to people's words so strongly that I think now about the weight of my words when I say them, because I think at that time, especially in ICU, where every word meant something to me. I looked for people's expressions. I looked to see if the doctors were genuine. I was looking to see if the, how the nurses responded. I was looking for hope throughout all of it. That's all I was looking for was hope. And if we can really just pause on that, hope is what is familiar and what the brain, the heart brain, seeks most in a crisis, not just a spinal cord injury crisis, but we know this through science and also, you know, even through other practices outside of science. And we also know that a trauma creates both numbness, a certain shutting down to protect the mind and the body, but also a parallel hyper-alertness. Yes, I agree with that, yes. And what you speak of is that just that experience of that hyper-alertness, every single word you're hanging on and looking for that affirmation of hope. Always looking for the affirmation Always. of hope. Yeah. So how is it that a surgeon could have formulated her or his words to you as a mother in crisis, spinal cord injury trauma, that would have provided some hope? That, and maybe this happened and maybe it didn't happen. Well, there were times it happened. There were times the words were so crushing that I just... It took me a long time to come back from them. I think what would have been ideal for someone to say, and again, remember, these surgeons, as we know, aren't dealing with this surgery very often. Yes, it's so rare for a, a surgeon to actually have a spinal cord injury surgery. So we want to not, we're not railing on any surgeon for not knowing. It's not taught in medical school very much. They don't see it very much in practice. And we know that there can be things that are crushing that they say, unintentionally I think they say well could be ideal I know that when they did Sam's surgery they had some sort of electrodes in him they told me and they had a team watching him to see if they got any responses or if they, they didn't want to do any more damage and when the surgeon came out I said did you see anything and he said no but you know um, and he went on to the next thing and I thought back on that I'm like 
I needed to hear. And I know there was the answer was no, there was nothing, but he left it open. He didn't make it seem like that was it. And I needed to hear that. Yes. Let's pause on that. So Mm -hmm. how powerful it can be, almost a piece of humility, perhaps, for a surgeon to be able to still give what can be devastating information Mm -hmm. to the family and yet still leave the door open. Like we didn't see anything, but that is where it is today. That's exactly right. That's what needs to happen is don't make it seem like it's forever. You don't know the body's ability to recover. And surgeons more than anybody else have seen things that are unexplainable. They know that there's a a whole aspect of the world that they can't understand. One of the pieces about spinal cord injury that we, and you know this as well as I, what we're doing with the nonprofit, we hope to inform families through the family support and navigation team of what is possible. And they don't need to know in detail, but just to know, even in shock, that there are almost miraculous uh, scientific breakthroughs that are happening in spinal cord injury you know, to hang in there and to hold hope. And if families can then tell the medical teams that the medical teams might actually become informed almost from the inside out through our navigators, and you are one, to the families, to the medical teams, and how powerful that would be for the medical team surgeons and nurses and other physicians to echo that. There's so much happening. We just don't know, you know, Mrs. Jarmer. Hold hope. We don't know. And something I also thought is when we got to rehab, I misunderstood what rehab was. Rehab was not there to necessarily, I thought it was to get him back on his feet. So I thought we were going to be there until... We got him up again. I did too. I thought Archer's going to walk. We just had to get him out of here to rehab and so he can like walk again. They kept saying he'll go to rehab. It will be approximately four to six weeks. I'm like, okay, I'm looking at school. He's going to be back. He might miss a couple weeks of school and he'll be walking again. You know? What they don't tell you, and which again, I don't think you need to hear because that would be a rough one, is they're not teaching you how to walk. They're teaching you how to live in a chair. And I think that I wish someone had told me that because we could have said, look, they're teaching you how to do this for now so that you can function as you recover. Yes. I think that would have been a better thing to say because I sat there watching people come and go and go, well, we're going to be here for the long haul because, you know, we're here till Sam walks. When they started talking discharge, I was just, I said, but, 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 but he's not walking. And they said, well, you know, this is just part of his journey. (laughs) And then, you know, there's that big drop off, right? There's, you go from inpatient and you're getting therapy four hours a day and you're sitting there as a mom watching this, like, okay, this is what we have to do. 
and you go from four hours a day to three hours a week when you get home, if you're lucky, with physical therapy. And it's a huge drop off. So you go from this hope that they're going to walk out of the rehab, you know, to this triumphant uh, return to their life, only to find out that that's not what they're training you for. And that when you leave there, you're going to have to fight for every single hour of therapy. And maybe like not necessarily, I'm not saying fight insurance or something like that, but I'm just saying fight to find the right spot for your child. Advocate. Advocate, yeah. So we wound up doing outpatient for a year. And I thought, again, when we pulled up on the first day, okay, now this is the place that's going to get him walking. And after a year, right when I thought he was doing really well, they discharged us. Yeah. I had to find the next step. That's when the lunatic, desperate mom kicked in. My sense is that the word discharge Mm -hmm. is so powerful and such Mm -hmm. a punch in the gut, Mm -hmm. almost taken personally, Mm -hmm. like we've failed in some way because we were never told what to expect. And it's understandable because people do not understand spinal cord injury and It's even more complicated as an incredibly, one of perhaps the most complicated injuries that could happen to the human body. But each injury is unique. None are exactly the same. So it's no wonder that families are, are not told, but how helpful it would be if somehow, as you're suggesting, there is this both the direct, you're going to rehab now so Mm -hmm. he can learn how to live in a chair. He'll be discharged at some point. There will be more rehab as he gets stronger and stronger. And we don't know if he will walk again, mom, but he may. But there are phases. And at each phase, you'll be discharged this is what I wish, too. If someone yeah. had, had explained, he'll be discharged because he will plateau. Mm-hmm. And his body will then need time to recover. And then we will bring him back or he will go to another facility and do more rehab for what we call about. I mean, I never had heard that word. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, about? And like, no, about, about of time. You know, and then he'll be discharged again. If, if that had been explained, also, it would have made things a bit more manageable, I think. I would That's still have fantasized that Archer would be walking, but there is, there's just so much basic information that could be relayed on the front end. It's funny when you were saying there's so much that goes along with this injury. That was a huge learning curve. I remember kidney stones, ingrown toenails, body temperature control, blood pressure, everything, everything. Skin wounds. Skin wounds, everything. All of a sudden, that's part of spinal cord injury. So one of the moms at a place where we go called Project Walk, 
one of the moms said it best. She said, paralysis is the least of this. Not being able to move your legs and stuff, because that's the least of it. It's all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah, bowel, bladder. Some of the biggest issues for quadriplegia. It is. Yeah. It's the not being able to move your legs or your mm-hmm. arms or your hands is truly the least of it when it comes to staying alive. Thank you, Jessica, for being the first to share your spinal cord injury experiences and insights for this new Blink of an Eye series. Your expertise and personal experiences surely left us all with brand new insights, understandings, and learnings. Mama Bear love during SCI crisis is a powerful thing. It's a force to be reckoned with truly divine. I resonate with that as a mother of five. Perhaps you resonate too with Mama Bear love. Well, for all you mothers who love so many and advocate for your children, may you feel the powerful, loving force of the Blessed Mother Mary loving you. If you or someone you know experiences an SCI-related tragedy, seek out I See That and the Blink of an Eye nonprofit as a resource, an essential resource, to navigate the crisis. Blink of an Eye's trained team of navigators offers support to families in the critical first 30 days of spinal cord injury. You, our listeners, can also join the Blink of an Eye Prayer Warriors, praying specifically for these families, or join our Hope Lifter campaign in the effort to provide SCI families with kindness and affirmations during a life-changing traumatic time. Together, there is no limit to what we can do for others. We are never alone. Join us next time at Ask Louise. Remember, anything you're wondering about the spinal cord injury crisis, you can ask Louise. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Louise series. Listen in in the upcoming week for the next Blink of an Eye story episode, episode 12, Going Home. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and following. And thank you for telling your friends about Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. 
Never miss an episode? Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com. Blink of an Eye podcast is sponsored by I See That, the integrative center for trauma healing, advocacy, and transformation. A nonprofit created as a national resource to help change the way we respond to spinal cord injury, to include trauma healing approaches for families and medical teams across the U.S. I See That provides a national team of SCI specialized doctors for expert opinions in the first hours of crisis, a multidisciplinary family support and navigation team for SCI families led by SCI families for the first 30 days of crisis, and a national resource library of trauma-informed responses for the first hours and days after injury, specialized for families, friends, and SCI medical staff. I See That also offers a registry of medically unexpected SCI recoveries. I See That will host the inaugural conference, The Science of Trauma, Hope for Trauma Healing, November 3rd, 2022. To donate and find out more, visit www.icthat.org. That's I, the letter C, T-H-A-T dot org.